Welcome to the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Hey there, welcome to episode 20 of the Rewind. I hope you're having a fine weekend or whenever it is you might be listening to this. And I hope you're in the mood for some Pantheon Rise of the Fallen chat as that's what this show is all about. So we've got another good one lined up for you today, I think. And when I say we, I have a course, I'm referring to my fearless partner in crime minus. And how are you doing, sir? Oh, man, so much better now that I'm not sick laying in bed thinking I have the coronavirus. (laughs) Uh, Luckily, I tested negative. So it was just good old fashioned regular sick. Um, (laughs) But the last couple of days have been symptom free. So feeling pretty good getting back to work probably late this weekend. So uh, excited to, yeah, excited to just be done with that, man. I'll I'll tell you that. I can't. Yeah, no, I feel for you, man. I've uh, every day is like every day is a fear of <laughs> coming down with the coronavirus. And until we're through this whole pandemic thing, I don't know how much that's going to go away. But I'm I'm glad you're healthy. I was uh, I was worried worried about you this week, but uh, glad to hear you're doing well. So, well, when you lay in bed for that long, you just start thinking of things. And if it wasn't for that, we probably wouldn't have had the completely new like interface on Pantheon Plus U because that all came to me <laughs> laying in bed. Like, hey, what if I did this? So. Yeah, no, you're you you do sickness much better than I do sickness. I lay in bed and feel sorry for myself. Well, you get things done, so I'm I'm impressed. Yeah, let's see <laughs> if my girlfriend agrees with you on that one. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. And just a quick note before we actually get into the show, I just wanted to mention that um, we ran a giveaway last week during the uh, YouTube premiere, and it was for a uh, copy of Tabletop Simulator on Steam, which was actually donated to the show by one of our one of our listeners. And I just wanted to say congrats to the crinkled one. He won the uh, giveaway on uh, Sunday last week. So the RNG gods were smiling upon him that day. And uh, so you guys know we have some giveaways planned for upcoming episodes. And I can tell you there is some seriously good loot in store. So uh, stay tuned. And uh, with that, let's get on with the show. This week in Visionary Realms News and Notes. Okay, so... As we always do, we're going to jump right into Twitter here. And Kilson is not on my happy list. We had another repeat Twitter question asking about your favorite loot and why. So we covered this topic already um, on a previous show, went in pretty big depth about it. So again, we're going to skip it. Now, if this keeps up, we may have to start doing some repeats. If people have repeat takes in the community, it might still be worth highlighting. But you're killing me here, Kilson. You're killing me. Um, if you need questions, Kilson, I am glad to send them to you. Here's one. You know, the first one I would recommend on a scale of one to 10, how horrible are elves? This is a great discussion. We can have that. That could be next week. Um, <laughs> Kilson, man. Kilson, man. Here, help me out, brother. Come on. Stop. Don't let minus get in creative with the questions here. It's not going to, it's not going to look good. It's not going to be pretty. So I need you to get some, get some working on these, these weekly questions on Twitter, Brent. Yeah. And the second one was the second one was kind of it, it's a new topic, but it was like it was kind of he just threw it to the forums. <laughs> so like there wasn't even a real question on Twitter. So I'm going to kind of rephrase it for what the question actually is. And he just put living cities question <laughs> mark. Basically, what he's trying to say is, you know, there was a forum post which detailed cities with like changing shops, people who visit shops, bars and inns, you know, people going in and out of them and like sort of this free-flowing cast of characters in and out of cities and replacing like shops and things like that. This very dynamic idea on how to work cities in a game. So that's kind of where this whole debate started. It was on the forums, but we did get a lot of Twitter responses. So I'm going to go ahead and read through those. And then Theric, I think as the master of the forums, you're going to add some forum <laughs> details at the end of this too, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was, there was, it was one of those, it was one of those questions that I think started over on the forums and then Kilson sort of 
co-opted it and took it and, and put it on the Twitter sort of poll thing. So yeah, we'll, we'll get some forum uh, responses in there too. Okay. So before we go there, let's go ahead and start with Twitter. And the first uh, post here, we have stone to the bone. who has been on the show featured quite a few times with uh, the Twitter segment here. Uh, he says, I want my cities to stay inanimate. Could you imagine a city chasing you and trying to eat you? I thought that was a pretty good way to start it. <laughs> pretty clever, yeah. And then he goes, sorry, more to your point. Um, should be as dynamic as possible, given its size. Smaller cities, smaller action, et cetera. So not a bad point. Um, Jorgen Wickstrom says, um, a dirt easy solution would be to have common NPCs that path around re- and respawn with a new random name from a pool of names. As long as the NPC isn't part of a quest chain, I don't see a problem. Having a few <laughs> random dialogue trees available when you hail an NPC would also make a difference. So interesting, easy way to just see different names. I don't know how much that would help me. It would kind of be funny if you saw the same NPC, like they look the same, but then they had a different name. (laughs) It's like you just keep seeing the same NPCs with different names sort of wandering around. this guy? Who's he hiding? (laughs) Are you related to that other guy that I just saw a second ago? Because you look (laughs) a lot like him. Zerg Jerk, who's uh, also always a big part of the show and has donated quite a bit for the giveaways, as you were mentioning earlier. But he said, Mm -hmm. yes, please. Then also natural disasters, like I mentioned in a previous tweet, player housing in towns not to be in separate areas, NPC house vendors so you can sell your house when a new epic armor shop opens next door, your price could go up, for example, Uh, things like that where like the value property goes up and down because the city's changing. Interesting idea. It's in, yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard that one before where it's sort of like the, the property value going up and down like that. It's kind of cool. Play in the market. Yeah. Um, Strieg says, I think it's cooler in concept than in practice. I'll probably stand around in awe for about an hour or two going, ooh, ah, and then go play the <laughs> game and hardly think about it again. Not mm. worth the developer time in my, inf- my opinion, he says. Um, Take a Hike says, not a fan, but I recognize that it and housing are popular to many. I do think it's a post-launch, maybe a post-expansion thought or goal. I'd prefer that the game get released in a playable form and additional features added over time. Grizzly says, please make us to love coming back to cities. He wants us to like enjoy coming back to cities and just strut right. around showing off or helping out. Don't force us when it's a waste of time if I don't need to. So he's basically just saying he wants to go to somewhere for hours because it's fun to meet other players or maybe even NPCs. Right. Like sort of giving them, like giving the player a reason to sort of enjoy being there. Right. Yeah. And we kind of talked about that last week. Like, you know, it should be fun to just kind of explore the city. So how do you, how right. do you create that? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan Yeager says uh, five years after launch. Sure. <laughs> right now, <laughs> get it to launch, work out the bugs, find your loyal player, vo- player base, and then living cities. These are things you can do to build towards that and single auction house zones and a master artisan city. I don't know about a single auction house zone, but um, mm, yeah. Motavi says, I think that's how you pronounce it. says, Definitely agree with others. Um, some things that I would love to see, especially housing, but post-launch for sure. Smalter says, I like the idea a lot, but honestly, it isn't that important outside the novelty of it. End of the day, I really wouldn't notice that much, but it is a cool idea nonetheless. And finally on Twitter, Bonsai Badger says, I really believe living cities to be some extent important in an MMO. Otherwise, it's just another Destiny game with hollow sounding NPCs. So I'm going to wait to get into my point. If you want to go ahead and talk about what they were saying on the forums. Yeah. So there were, there were like 30 some odd responses in the forums. I picked out like four of them because I thought they were sort of representative of the overall uh, tone. But um, firstly, Doherty said, um, one thing uh, 
ideas like this often entail is like a day night cycle where some things and people are there only during certain times. But it can be enormously frustrating looking to find some badly needed store or NPC on your first visit to a town, deciding the town just doesn't have it. But that was because you happened to arrive at the wrong time of day. Um, Ruar said, I think it would be interesting if players could somehow occupy buildings to fill out a city. Let the players hire NPCs that staff the business or move around to different buildings and give some semblance of life. So that's sort of similar to what Zergerick was saying about like yeah. property and buying it, houses and that kind of stuff. It becomes very sim. Like I, I get that a yeah. lot of people would say like that, like simulation things fit in an MMO, but I really don't think they do. I think simulation is a very different form of game. Um, they sound good in practice, but they're like simulation in itself. Those type of things like where you'd have to actually like manage your staff and, and then you're going to have to pay your workers. I'd imagine you got to put them in certain places and how do you get them different gear? It just becomes like simulations of their own games. That's why that genre is called simulation. I don't think that simulation is a great thing to throw into an MMO personally. Yeah. 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 I was going to say what you said, they become their own game in and of themselves. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and a lot of these ideas are, are come from single player uh, RPGs. You know, there's been a lot of, I'll talk about this in a second, but yeah, like these are very good in some single player games, but maybe not in the MMO space. Mm -hmm. Um, XR said, why stop at cities? Why not a living world? Stale underused areas or entire zones should be changed completely. And the lore of Terminus allows this easily enough. So he's going like to the next level and sort of like change everything constantly, not constantly, but once in a while at least. And then lastly, our buddy uh, Gatorbait said uh, development efforts aside, I love the idea of cities evolving a bit over time. Having NPCs move about roam, change their routine is one aspect of making cities feel alive and remain alive. Uh, density of NPCs is also of critical importance. So those are just a few of the responses over on the forums. That's an interesting point from Gator with like density. Like if you're in a really packed like town square, there should just be mm-hmm. people everywhere, right? Like you should have like be wading through NPCs in a sense in like certain areas of the city or if there's like a play going on or something or you know, <laughs> yeah, a bard maybe. playing. Like like imagine when you're watching like Game of Thrones or you're watching like The Witcher, mm-hmm. like there's just these massive gatherings of people on top of each other and you should have to kind of like get your way through it. Even like Assassin's Creed. Think about that. Like when you're, you know, stealth walking through them. Not, not that I need sure. that in the game, but I'm just saying like, there's always these crowds of people that you really don't see in MMOs very often. Yeah, no, that's true. I think it makes me think of when we were playing Rift, right? Um, that main city we were in in Rift was very densely populated with NPCs and um, it did feel kind of alive, you know, like it did feel like, and there were actually people running around too, but it was sort of a good blend of den- density of NPCs and just players running around. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so we're, yeah, breaking down the idea in itself, like completely, it, it's a cool idea. And I don't think anybody, even the people against it, I don't think they could argue it, that it isn't a cool idea. It is. It's, it's a neat idea. The issue I have with it, though, is it's just, it's a lot of co- coding work and a lot can go wrong with uh, pl- uh, NPCs that you may need, like shop owners. And, and I just kind of ask what the payoff is at the end of the day. The biggest thing here is players, not NPCs, make towns feel alive to me. I don't think there's any amount of NPCs you could script intelligently in a city that made it feel alive if there weren't players there. And I don't know that this would increase the need for players to go back because it's more game mechanics that make cities important. And what kills cities is when game mechanics are skipped or made easier for the player to, you know, go into, for example, you know, doing it in a central hub that does everything or from a menu system. 
you know, having to go back to, to regional cities and stuff like that's important. That's where they've talked about like regional auction houses, for example. I mean, I don't mind them having roots reacting to the time of day, things like that, et cetera. But like, I don't know. I ask long-term if it's something that really adds to the game. I guess I'm kind of torn because it is a great idea, but I feel like it's a lot of effort for little return. Um, am I crazy, Theric, or what do you think? No, no. I think, I think I'm on the same page with you here. Um, you know, that, like I said, this concept has been around for a long time. Um, it goes way, way back in terms of RPGs and sort of been like the holy grail of a lot of uh, single-player RPGs. And, and Ultima Online as, as well comes to my mind right away. Richard Garriott, a.k.a. Lord British, has always sort of like touted this kind of thing as his goal when he wants to build a game. And he brings these ideas to the table. And honestly, like they haven't, I don't think they've ever really worked out as big as his vision has been. And and maybe that's part of the problem because the vision's been too big. So I think you just, I think what you need to do is maybe take a smaller approach here with this and, and um, just do simple things. I think the NPC routines, the day night cycles is a good idea. We know Pantheon has day night cycles, so it's not like um, it would be, you know, a, something that would add in, they would just be about, you know, making the NPCs move around based on the day, the day night cycle, even something like think about in EverQuest when the items that were in stocked by vendors changed because somebody had come along and sold something to them recently. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you the illusion of living in the city in a, in a, the illusion of a living city. And on the forums, I didn't mention the post, but Vandrad sort of made this point um, saying it's wise to not invest too heavily in this aspect and just do the things that can give the illusion. And I think he's probably right. And just I'll finish up by saying, you know, if you're looking, if you're following the development of Ashes of Creation, this is their bread and butter, right? Like this is what they're focused on with this whole living city idea, talking about like hiring a mayor for the city and everything changes. So I kind of feel like, you know, for Pantheon, maybe just, you know, they stay in their lane, do their thing, do what they're focused on. And then this feature probably you know, doesn't need to be too much of a uh, central concept. So yeah, that's, that's where I'm at with it. Yeah. It's interesting. You brought up ashes, right? Because ashes right now is riding a very high, high time, I guess, for the game, because they started showing a lot of stuff off, doing a lot of interviews, but it wasn't, you know, what, but six months ago that everyone was ready to burn the game to the ground. And it's just interesting to me because we talked, um, I think on a prior rewind about just like bloat, like, like bloat of games and games that just promise so much and they can't deliver on the basic concepts because they're so busy on these just grandiose systems and systems on systems and these, these promises and these ideas. And they just like, they're not core game elements. They're not the core things you're going to be doing all the time. And they spend more time on these side things than they do on the, the, what you're actually doing. And, yeah. and I just feel like with ashes, like I'm not into ashes and I'm not trying to crap on the game because I'm not educated on it. Like I can't sit here and talk about it in an educated way. It just doesn't interest me. And it's because a lot of the time, because of these feature blowing, like, oh, wouldn't this be cool if there's a big difference between wouldn't this be cool if, or we need this and we need to focus more on the, we need yeah. this things than the, wouldn't this be cool if, because we've all enjoyed games that never had all this crazy stuff that we go into with like living cities and and all these just really in-depth side systems, which are neat, but let's get the core systems first. I think that's more important. Yeah. Keeping your focus, I think, is really important when you're trying to achieve something. I like what you said. You know, it's what we need, not necessarily what we could possibly do, right? What do we need? And I think you've, I think you nailed it there. So, yeah, well said. If, the, if us as players are drawn to cities, then we don't need these 
NPCs doing all these crazy things. Day night cycle, fine, go for it. But if we're drawn to cities, they're important. We have to bank. We have to do these things in the cities. Then you know what? That's going to take care of itself. Like worry about our experience, not the AI that's walking around in it. Like <laughs> I think that that's more important. Well, and then Pantheon, the AI is going to be trying to kill us most of the time anyway. So, <laughs> you know, I, I don't want them to be living. I want them to be dead most of the time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it with VR news and notes. When the Pantheon community speaks, we listen. So let's dig into social media and see what the discussion is all about. Okay, so we find our main discussion this week on Reddit, and uh, it comes to us from Salacious Lion. He had a really interesting post. He um, he wanted to know how Pantheon is going to mitigate the looking for group problem that other group-centric MMOs have seen. So, I mean, this is a pretty fundamental thing when it comes to Pantheon because it is a group-centric MMO. And we know um, that uh, it's going to be important that when you can't find a group, how do you keep the player engaged? So here's how he worded his post. He says, having listened to Chris Perkins talk about the player push in some of these roundtables, it's becoming clear that the looking for group issue will be present in Pantheon due to scarcity. The problem arises when players log in and they can't find a group to play with in a timely manner because all the camps are taken in that level range, for example. Sometimes a player can wait hours or even days to find a group, or they're halfway across the world, unable to get to a group in time. So it can be disheartening. And he goes on to say, originally Brad McQuaid, being being the experienced godfather of MMOs, was very vocal in trying to address the problem with the caravan system and the mentor system. So these systems won't be in a launch, uh, which is his understanding, which I believe is correct. And he says, let's be realistic. How can, VR, how can VR realistically address this issue prior to launch, or does it even matter? So I like the post a lot because, like I said, it's one of the primary things that I think a group-centric MMO has to address. And it's one of the things that's also led to the self-sufficient character classes, the sort of single-player group-optional MMOs. And his point about, being, about Brad being very keyed in on this issue tells us how important it is because he was actively looking for a viable solution. So... Let's hear what the Reddit community thought about this, uh, this question. So the first person said, a good question is if there are plenty of opportunities to progress solo. I'm not talking about post-WoW single-player BS. I'm talking about places where you're able to hunt by yourself. Not dungeons, but the open world. Would it be as fast, efficient, bountiful, and successful with a group? No, uh, but it's doable. Therefore, not recommended, but doable. Um, Abject Disaster said, how do you mitigate this without instancing? Incentives for groups. So incentives can vary between a small experience boost for grouping to quests integrated into the lore of the game, uh, where you, for example, patrol and kill mobs like on behalf of a city or something like that. If you can't find a group in the dungeon, maybe there's an incentive put outside the dungeon for people waiting to group up just to kill things um, outside the dungeon that are on maybe a more generous respawn timer or something like that. Let me jump um, in right there because sure. he brought up a good point with this. You know, it's really weird to me. Like all these games talk about wanting to encourage group play, but you never get as much experience when you're in a group. It's funny because some of them will be like, well, well, we're going to boost it for when you're in a group, but it's after the penalty that you're already losing a ton of the experience and we're going to boost it a tiny bit. So you're still losing. It's, it's really strange to me that they don't want to increase the experience you get when you're grouped versus solo. It, it's a, mm. it's an interesting thing that game developers don't want to do that. Like, yeah. It's like, okay, well, we don't want to make it too easy to level. So we don't want to get more experience if you get a full group because then everyone will have a full group. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, I almost feel like you should take a penalty for soloing. I, I get that people are saying like, if you solo, it should be hard and not recommended. 
and these other stuff. And like, I remember killing like the hermit, for example, <laughs> in EQ, right. And he gave you a ton of experience when you killed mm-hmm. him because he was higher level and you were kind of like bug fighting him in a sense. Yeah. Um, and he would give you a ton of experience because you weren't supposed to be able to kill him by yourself. And it wasn't separated between the group members. How about getting away from that entire system? Like, why does something have to be worth X experience? And when you're in a group, it's split two ways, three ways, four ways. Like, why can't it be worth X experience to everybody? And then when you kill it in a group, you get, you know, 10% more, 5% more per person or 1% yeah. more. Like, why can't you get the full experience value of killing the enemy, whether you're with people or not? I wonder if it's because like when you're in a group, you're, you're killing things quicker just because you have more firepower, right? Like you're just, you're getting more experience. It's being divided, but you're getting more experience over time. Whereas if you're soloing, like I know back in EQ when I was solo, you, you, I got less experience, but only because it took me a long time to kill things like, you know, running around kiting things takes a while. And that's what I was usually what I was trying to do. Um, But I think you're right. I mean, I don't know why a lot of games, I mean, we can get into the whole thing about why current MMOs don't encourage grouping, but you know, if they did, if they were group oriented, it seems like an obvious thing, right? Yeah. Give a bonus for when you're in a group. Yeah. And if you want to solo, fine, it's going to be harder and you're not going to get as much experience. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to push yeah. those soloers. They, so a lot of people say, oh, well, the soloers don't want to play that. No, the soloers are going to find a group. And the more yeah. people who are like, if I play, I'm going to group, the more you have in a pool of people to play with. And I think the That's other right. thing too is like Pantheon might be interesting in the fact that like there's going to be ways around the Holy Trinity to where you can do duos and trios and stuff that might work well together. Maybe not as fast, but I think that's going to help a little bit but there does, there has to be some system in the game. And I know Brad had kind of talked about like the like social media, like almost like the, what's that dating website that he said it was going to be like? <laughs> the Tinder? Yeah, no, 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 the really expensive one that's like, oh yeah, I think not I know match, what you but you know what I'm talking about. But, I do, I do. But they said there was going to be something like that where you felt like this, like, like psychology profile that kind of matches you with people like you. So I don't know. Anyway, I go in a little off topic from that one post there by Object Disaster, but it was uh, it was a good post. No, and you make a good point. I think that's still a good idea. I, I still hope they're still planning on doing that because I like that idea that they talked about a while ago with that sort of profile matching thing. <clears throat> anyway, moving on. Uh, Eric High said, I think smart world design can help alleviate this. For example, in EQ, your low to mid 20s in the classic era, you had basically two dungeon zones to level in. You had Mistmore and you had Upper Guck. If you were hardcore striking out of one place, you could, in theory, go to the other, but it was an entire continent away. So he says, I'm certainly not advocating for grouping of dungeons in the same level range, like basically within a short area. Um, But smarter world design is the idea here. So sort of making it easier to to get around in some capacity. He also mentions that uh, a looking for group tool can be useful and it's something that classic EQ didn't have. Not like auto-forming groups, just mean like a global queryable list where people can search for those who are looking for group and communicate with them and individually invite them to groups and stuff like that. Um, Somewhere along the line in the comments, somebody brought up the practice of um, zone experience modifiers, basically like a way of boosting a zone's population by increasing the XP you get there to help with uh, mitigate the group like lack of groups. And this was raised by a few people as a means of ensuring like group availability. And so a couple of these posts go into the sort of the pros and cons of that. Um, Bison SC said zone experience modifiers are an interesting point. Players will naturally revolve to high zone experience modifier zones, even if the time spent looking for group in a popular zone is a net loss. And then Orange Milk said uh, ZEM did greatly impact the population. Dungeon, dungeons having one makes sense as it was usually much more dangerous. 
people do their thing, however, and gravitate to the easiest route. How about a zone experience penalty? For every player beyond, like, say, 20 in the zone, the mobs get scared and spawn less frequently. This would force people to spread out a little bit. It's kind of an interesting idea, sort of switching it up a little bit there. Yeah, but who's going to leave? <laughs> like, <laughs> so say, like, it's like 20 hmm. and 22 people show up and someone's like, well, you leave. No, you leave. <laughs> We have to like run people out of town, like <laughs> chase them out of the zone. Oh, geez. I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question, but, um, hmm. Uh, so Robin one, two, three, four said, I don't know how someone could oppose a looking for group tool. It's just a list you could use to ask the leader for an invite instead of like spamming the chat. I don't like LFD or LFR systems in wow, but LFG looks great. You pick a category add a title and you wait for people to apply. Once the group is formed, you all fly to the dungeon or whatever you're planned doing. The game itself is not actually doing anything for you. Another yeah, person had but, a really... But it was done in WoW. So our community <laughs> I don't even know can't what accept that. What's uh, looking for dungeon, looking for raid. Oh, Those okay, are the ones okay. that teleport you instantly into the raid or the dungeon. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, it must but be WoW bad. did it, so... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Roman. It's a great idea, and I agree with you, but our community don't, doesn't like it because it's in WoW, so... Yeah, well, we'll talk about the LFG thing at the end here. I have some thoughts about the LFG tool, <laughs> what it should be look like. But and I don't know if this is how wowed it or not, but we'll get there. Better be careful. Um, I will. Yeah, I'll tread lightly. <laughs> uh, another person said, realistically, it's going to take multiple systems to deal with this, ranging from simply good world design to interface design to encounter like horizontal or alternative progression options. One thing can help is a good LFG interface, and it's something that Vanguard did really well. Did really well. It was easy to use. It provided all the information you needed in an intuitive manner and wasn't simply an auto queue. Its biggest downfall was that, like all looking for group interfaces that aren't automatic queues, its usefulness directly corresponded to how many people in groups at any given time were actually using it. I could see this being alleviated with like a very meager experience boost, like say a couple percent, for any groups that were formed through uh, receiving an invite through the LFG tool. So like just you know, like a one, two percent boost or something like that, just to promote it being used. You know what's funny? Uh, and then, because I can see people saying, well, then like every group's just going to form through it. Make it so if someone's on your friends list, they don't, you don't get it. Or in your guild. So if someone's on your friend list, you don't get it. You don't I get don't the understand. bonus. So like, for example, like they're saying like, have it so everybody who gets an invite through the LFG gets a boost to experience, right? So mm -hmm. what that would incur then is then every guild would form up through the tool instead of just by natural means so that they get the extra experience boost, right? Right. So to right, mitigate right. that, if someone's on your friends list or someone is in your guild, whether right. they're invited through that tool or not, they're not going to get the boost. So let's say that there were four of you and you needed two more people. The four of you could just group up natural means and then you could recruit two people and those two people that come in would get a boost for joining. Right. I think that's yeah, that the way sense. it should be done. Yeah, no, that, that's good. Yeah, you're totally right about that. Um, Echolocation8 said, having a looking for group tool that posted the zone you wanted to group in, your current group compositions, so like level and class, and the role you're trying to fill, maybe a note to specify something about the group. Um, a couple other solutions he, su he suggests are way larger zones and increasing spawn rates. He talks about in EQ how like the spawns were like 18 to 24 minutes per mob, and you could usually kill mobs faster than that, like much faster than that. So if these were like lowered, so like eight minutes or something like that, the groups couldn't get as far. I don't really like that idea because I the thought of the respawns behind your group is always terrifying to me. I'm always I like, we gotta it. go, we gotta go. I you like it. that idea. I really like it. Yeah, I love the the respawn push. 
It's the scariest hmm. thing ever. It keeps you on your toes. There's no dilly dally. And until you get to your camp spot, right? Like once yeah. you have your camp spot, you're good. Yeah. Right. It's then, then it's fine. Cause then, you know, and you've got it all sort of timed out, but like when you're going down that hallway and you know, things are popping up behind you and you're like, <laughs> Oh man, that's so anxiety inducing, but in a good way, in a good way. Yeah. So, um, so Lord Nagafin said Warhammer online had my favorite system for grouping. There were open groups where people would work. Uh, we're working on public quests. Typically the format was to clear a bunch of mobs. Then the mini boss would spawn, then a large boss. You could run into the area you wanted to fight, just check for open groups and it worked really well. And the next person agreed with him, um, saying they second that idea. It was really ideal for open world group questing. You go to a zone, you see what groups have openings, you hop in. And here's something he says that I'm going to talk about. But he says it definitely fosters a drop-in, drop-out environment that is great for group content. So I, I, I don't agree. Like, I don't want that um, because I feel like that's become sort of the commonplace way of grouping in most MMOs these days. Um, it doesn't really foster that connection, you know, that that um, uh, investment in the group, if you will. That's or sort of this loose drop-in, drop-out um, method of doing it is not something that I think is probably a great idea. But, I, you know, it's good for, I'm glad that they've had good experiences with it. Um, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that going on now, for sure. Yeah, again, going back to Rift, right? <laughs> the rating in Rift, right, was just basically following a bunch of lemmings off a cliff and running around constantly. Like, uh, anyway, um, Deep Planet said, if you design it right, groups don't even need to be a thing. Just make it like proximity chat and let you see other people's health bar and mana. Even add them to your UI if you want. Allow looting to be global. Basically, if you can use it, you can loot it. Instance corp lo corpse looting, if you can use it, um, if you can use it, you can loot it. For anyone that either attacked the mob or assisted someone who did. I'm not sure if he's being sarcastic there. I kind of think he might just be, because <laughs> it doesn't sound like a pantheon kind of thing. It sounds <sighs> like something else. Definitely not. Yeah. So um, Quicks123 said, this is why world design and players per server matter in a game with little or no instancing. When P99's, P99's new servers merged, my group of friends could never even find a place to go. We made friends in game. We have a full group and nowhere to go. We were ended up being broken apart, forced to split up and find like cheesy spots to solo, killing guards because of overpopulation. So um, Lasterboss says there needs to be a system that incentivizes high level players to group with low level players. Maybe a special skill tree like leader XP from EQ or special auras, titles, transmogs as rewards for down leveling to group with newbies. This would increase the overall amount of grouping opportunities. I could even envision a system that shows which looking for groups have been looking for group the longest and reward that group by inviting players with the longest uh, looking for group time. I like that. I like yeah, that, I end, that end part of that I like a lot. As far as like the incentivizing high level players, that's the mentor system. It's just a matter of it's not going to be in at launch from what we know. But the mentor system is essentially exactly what he was asking for. But that last piece of like the longer you're in I think that they need to incentivize. I, I, I really do think so. I think small EXP boosts would make people do it. And it's not going to ruin the game. It's not going to ruin the, the the leveling experience if they're small. But it's if it's an, even a small boost, people are going to want it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just It's got to stay small. And as long as it, because it, if you go beyond that, then they start getting gamified, right? Then people mm -hmm. will start playing the system and making it and abusing it. But there's nothing wrong with incentivizing a certain style of gameplay if that's what your game is about, right? So I totally... Um, and is it really even that well. bad? Is it really even that bad if we gamify, you know, grouping so to make it better, to make it work? I mean, I get what you're saying because I know you're very against gamifying. But even mm -hmm. if, if we're going to gamify something, 
if it's increasing the ability to find groups, it's not a horrible thing as long as it stays within the Pantheon tenets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's right. That's what I'm saying. Keeping the experience boost very, very small mm-hmm. and limited just to provide that one little bit of edge to make it something that is not a problem. Because like I said, this is one of those fundamental issues that they have to they have to figure it out, right? So uh, open up, always open ideas like that. A um, couple more. Kapate said, I don't think it's an issue. You either find groups and you make friends or you don't. If you can't find a group, I'm sure there will be other activities to do. The issue is more population and marketing so that there are enough players on at one time. And that's what VR needs to improve. And then lastly, uh, Ganjuki said, and he says, long as you make friends, you can find a group easily. Better level up those social skills pre-launch. So I can kind of get, <laughs> kinda, says it I can on get behind that. He says it on Reddit. Level up socials. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know. I know he's, he's, it's got that Reddit sort of tone to it. I agree with you. But like. No, I'm just saying like of all people to say, hey, level up your socials. Never mind. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So <clears throat> like I said, I'll give you my opinion here, but. Um, they talk about like not being able to find a group and, and group centric MMOs, but there really haven't been that many group centric MMOs since EQ. A lot of the posts in this thread were sort of like people saying, Hmm, I never really had this issue. You know, EQ did a lot of things, right? We talk about EQ a lot, but one of the things that I, they did the most good for this issue, I think is just giving people the freedom to try to solo content. It wasn't designed for solo play and that's how it should be. But if a group can't find a, if you can't find a group that evening, you can go back to his own a few levels below, like that are below you, and you can try and solo stuff. And that should be doable. Like you should still get modest XP from that. So, I mean, like I said earlier, I've gone back. I remember killing um, Aviax, those like bird creatures in uh, like North Karana, South Karana sort of thing, five levels below me. And they gave me terrible XP. And it was still even risky for me. I still died. But when I couldn't find a group, that's fine. I was still socializing. I was still chatting with my guild. I was still, you know, zone chat kind of thing. The social experience was still there. So, and like we said, incentivizing the LFG tool has a lot of merit. Um, as long as it's not, you're not skipping out on that socialization aspect of it. You're not automating the communication. That's where we get into trouble because then it becomes that instant in out. It becomes, hey, you know, I want, we need a person, we need a tank. You pop in, you're at the group, you run through, pop, you're out, that sort of thing. Um, there needs to be communication. And um, lastly, you know, something that wasn't brought up here. I think the perception system for Pantheon specifically is going to play a key role here because with the flagging and the depth, you're always going to be wanting to go back and finding out if something changed for your character since the last time you talked to an NPC, like you've killed something new, maybe you have a new item, maybe something has changed in your character's sort of flagging profile that changes how they respond to you. So I think this falls into that other things to do category, but I I like it because I think it does give you that. But um so, you know, we've, we've sort of given our opinion throughout here. Do you, uh, what else do you see um, in terms of being able to solve this potential issue? How would, how would you address it ideally, Minus? So it's a really, really important topic. And I think that a lot of people have talked about like having a reason for high levels to go help or do things with lower level people. And I think that that's important. And it does worry me that the mentor system isn't going to be something that's going to be in place early on. It really does. So then I ask, what's the penalty? If I'm a level 30 and I go help a group of level 20 friends, what's the penalty for me being there? Is it so punishing that it's not worth it? Or can I go help them and they still at least get good experience out of it? Like, is there like a catch up? Like maybe I'm not getting much, but they still are. Like, I don't want it to be so abusive that you can power level, but it has to have something like 
how can I go help my friends if like, am I gonna have to sit outside the group and be like a buff bot? Like that would be miserable. Right. Um, so like they need to think through if there's not going to be a mentor system, what the ability to group with a higher level friend who's rushed ahead or gotten better and wants to go help, like how can they help? Um, and that is important to me. And again, I think the mentoring system would have been a really good thing to have in it launch. So it does worry me that it's not going to be, but outside of that, from an interface standpoint, like it don't, it's another one of those things that I said, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, a good interface, a really good interface with some, you know, reason in, in, we talked about incentive, some incentive Mm -hmm. to help people. Those are the things you need to do. Make it simple, make it simple. Don't overthink it. Um, don't worry about helping people too much, you know, don't break the system, but at the same time, like do something that people want to be a part of it. Simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I totally, totally agree. And yeah, the mentoring and the caravan system, I, I know it's, um, it is, it was, it was an innovative idea. And, you know, I think that's what Pantheon's sort of becoming known for is innovation and evolving, right. The genre and doing new things that weren't done in the past to sort of bring this type of a game back into the, uh, into the mainstream. Real so, quick, before we jump on for the, the lot of the, another thing people were talking about is like population. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but this made me feel really good. Did you see Crowfall has, um, half a million people registered? They claim. I didn't see that. No. And I think that game wow. looks like absolute garbage. If, if Crowfall can have half a million and Pantheon keeps doing what they're doing, I think we're going to be <laughs> pleasantly surprised with how many people are going to sign up because if you haven't seen what Crowfall looks like, man, <sighs> I, yeah, I've been barely following it. I, I remember, no, I don't even remember that well, but do yourself um, a favor when we're done recording and go watch. Cause it looks awful. <laughs> awful. Dude. Yeah. Um, and if they have 500,000, I'm telling you right now, Pantheon's going to be more successful than we, than a lot of people think. Yeah. You know, population is, it's, it's totally, totally key. I, that's one of the reasons I've said before that I think EverQuest is so successful. It was the only game in town, you know, like it was, it was, it was the only game in town. Nobody had anything. There was no competitors really. I mean, um, you know, until WoW came along and, and it was, um, it had the population to support a game that maybe wasn't perfect in a lot of ways. Um, but it just had the numbers. So you do need, you need those numbers. I, I don't, um, I don't worry about that with Pantheon. I really don't. Um, at least not right now, maybe down the road, but not right now. So, it's a really good point. I'll I'll go check that video out after we're done recording. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. Before we finish up the uh, community discussions, so last week I gave a shout out to Andrew Wittes, um, talking about his concept art piece that he's been um, doing Blender 3D models of. While he's still going strong, he had another awesome piece this week. He's taken the form of a Sirico and the Anvil of Fates in Thronefast and modeled them in Blender 3D. And I've got a picture here in our notes and I obviously audio version can't show it, but <laughs> you guys should definitely check it out because it is incredible. Um, and he's like his leveling up skills. If this guy levels up his skills, like his character in Pantheon, as quickly as he leveled up his Blender 3D skills, he's going to be level 50. He's going to be max level in the first week because like, <laughs> it's crazy how good this is. So Andrew, like, like I said last week, shout out. Great job. Keep up the great work, man. Looks awesome. Yeah, guys, go check it out. It looks awesome. Yeah. And that's it for this week's community discussions. Let's talk content creator updates and new additions to Pantheon.plus. All right. So now we typically jump into uh, Pantheon.plus. So let's talk through some of the content creators. And we got a little bit of news to share. And I think I'm going to break some news that I didn't plan on breaking. So we might break some news here as well today. Okay. 
So, um, first of all, uh, Nathan Napalm was back with his humor series, The Joppa Conspiracies. <laughs> Did you watch this yet, Thick? Um, <laughs> I've watched half of it. It's I insane. Keep- it's hard. It, it's pretty funny. He's this guy. Like every every video he makes, the next one, I'm like, oh, I can't get weirder than that. Yeah, keeps getting weirder, man. Keeps and getting he, weirder. And he blames us, like us content creators, because we keep pushing him to do crazier and crazier stuff. But um, <laughs> so if you like to laugh and you want to jump into a bit of the crazy side of Mr. Napalm, yes, maybe even crazier than the puppets. Uh, this <laughs> one is for you. Uh, he tackles details like why did Joppa remove his beard? Why does Ronick look at eight, like he's an eight bit character during the streams? Um, so find out by checking out Joppa conspiracies too. It's a pretty short video, but it's it's ridiculous. And if you guys just want a little bit of a laugh, which we we need right now, um, it's really good. So um, Basgram still well, he was being secretive, but right before we started recording the show, he mm-hmm. announced the hundredth video topic. Which is he's calling um, EQ next is my ex girlfriend. So yeah. who knows what that's going to be about? But I have a feeling it's going to be about how people constantly are afraid of Pantheon failing because of EQ next. So I'm interested to see how he breaks that down and compares the differences between what we saw with EQ next and what we're seeing in Pantheon. Maybe to quell some of the fear that people have, they're constantly saying, "Oh, this is the next EQ next, the next EQ next." That game did so much damage for indie development. Yeah. It really yeah, did. it really did. It really did. And if anybody can bring the facts and make us feel okay, Bathroom can do it. Yep. So it looks like that's going to be a good 100th video topic. Uh, keep your eyes out for it this weekend or maybe early next week. I'm not sure, but uh, it looks like it's uh, going to be coming soon anyway. So that's good to hear. So for us, we had two different pieces of content. Um, we started our week with the Elements of Terminus video. It's a lore-style video that looks at the systems we've covered all month long and how we believe the areas of Terminus, which you know at least have been detailed in lore so far, will look like in regards to like climates and atmospheres. This one digs really deep into some of the pieces of lore that may often be overlooked, but come together magnificently through the lens of Theric's perception of Pantheon video series. Um, so good job, buddy. That was really, really good video. Um, Thanks. It's just a really fun video because you, you really take people and you you let us like travel through the continent using the map of Terminus. Mm. So if you guys like that, like a deep feeling like you're you're traveling alongside Theric while he's teaching about these areas, it's a, it's a lot of fun. We've had a ton of positive response from it. So a great way yeah. to finish up our month there, man, for sure with that video. If you guys have watched that video, the one piece in there, I'm surprised I haven't gotten more sort of feedback on it or like comments, but there's some description of the um Kaja Sands area. It's like, it's a written description. It's from like a 2016 post in the forums by Justin Gerhardt that I've had sort of tucked away in my back pocket for the longest time. I found it forever <laughs> ago. I'm like, oh, I'm going to use this at some time. And I'm so excited. I finally got to find a video that I could use it in. So yeah, I'm glad you guys like it. You guys heard it first, the deep pockets of Theric's perception. <laughs> That's right. I love it. Deep um, pockets, baby. And then we, we put the final wrapping on that topic the, the month on topic on episode 42 of Pantheon plus you. And I was joined by one of my absolute favorite co-hosts and I'm not trying to discredit anyone who's been on the show, but I just love, I think anyone who sees me and Militus kind of chat knows that we just really play off of each other. while we could talk for ages and we dug really deep into these systems and what it means to us as followers of Pantheon, uh, but also what we think it means to the game's overall success. We kind of discussed the immersion of the lore of Terminus being brought forth by these systems but we also discussed scenarios that'll make us sweat, like dialing into some of our own fears of height or darkness. 
we really discuss how these systems can overlay one another and it really can create the challenge that we're hoping to expect from the environment. And we just feel like the danger that's going to be without an NPC, the danger that's going to be there in the environment is probably more so than any MMORPG on the market. So, you know, make no mistake, because they've been called a gimmick before, but atmospheres and climates are anything but a gimmick. And in fact, these are core elements that are really going to differentiate Pantheon from the rest. I truly, from the bottom of my heart, believe that. I just can't wait to toss on some acclimation gear and really dig deep into these areas where you're constantly afraid what's going to happen next and, you know, hopefully make it out alive. I'm, I'm pumped for these things. <laughs> pumped. Yeah. You guys, you guys did such a good job breaking it down. I was excited watching and listening and, and being there last night for the, um, for the show. And, and Militus is such a great co-host, man. You got to, every time he's available, you got to try and get him on. He is, <laughs> right. he is something else, man. I love that guy. So um, by the time you're listening to this, you should be able to check on demand for the episode of uh, Pantheon Plus U42 and also that Elements Determinist video if you've missed it. So check those out. So what's being worked on? Something small, but on Pantheon Plus U, we debuted a a little detail called the Pantheon Plus Wall. And we know this is probably something that's going to take off over time, but it's it's a really neat feature. And this is a project that was taken on by Drac. I'm just a really big fan of it. So this wall will allow any of our community members to post pictures or videos to it which highlight their gaming moments while we wait for Pantheon. And I'm more excited when we get to Pantheon, what we'll see on there. Um, but to be a part, simply put the hashtag, hashtag Pantheon Plus in your tweets with a video or image, and Drac will be able to approve any of those that fit the bill. We'll be showcasing the wall off on live streams for Pantheon Plus U or any other special events we do. Um, but we'll also find a place on our website or homepage once we finalize the remake of the homepage to you know accommodate articles like we're doing. You'll see that wall live there as well. Um, I know we've been talking about the article section for a while, but we are building a lot of tools to make sure it's right for those who submit or read through the future content that the writers in the community put forth. Um, but in the meantime, if you have some epic gaming moments, just put that hashtag Pantheon Plus tag in your tweet and we'll make sure you're highlighted. So really cool feature. I really enjoy that. I thought Drac did a really good job with that. Definitely. So kind of hinted at it there, but the other news from us, we're just working a lot behind the scenes to get the website to the next stage. Um, sadly, I don't know how to program, so I can't <laughs> dig in with the guys and give you all the nitty gritty details. Um, it really falls on Burris and Poiru, and we trust in them. Um, we know they're working their tails off and building that next stage of Pantheon. Plus, it, it will be worth the wait. Um, we just ensure you that for 100%, it will be worth it. But since this is other news, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to break some news. So first, the Deftones, the best band of all time, by the way. I don't know if you know that. That's official. They just put out a single to their new album. I have, it's been teased for two years to come out. Like for two years, I've been waiting. Like, oh, maybe next month, maybe next month, maybe next month. Two years of that, they finally announced it's coming out next month. And they put out a single. And I've probably listened to it over 50 times already. It is just outstanding. It is, this day alone makes me so happy because of that. Yeah, you you were all over Discord today with that song. And I I know that feeling. It's such a good feeling when you get that new song come out and you're just so excited for it. And especially when it's good, you know, because sometimes you wait and it's a letdown. Yeah. Okay. So this wasn't in our notes, but I'm going to go ahead and and announce this. Um, I just want to tell everybody and and make sure people understand that this is not a a negative thing. Um, I have left uh, the Rainborn Guild. Um, that I've been a member of for a very long time. And I just want to say like those guys taking me in as a, as a young content creator quite a while ago. Um, first of all, I know I'm annoying at times and I'm, I'm all over, you know, the forums and, and all this and that. So it's kind of a big risk to take someone like me into your ranks. Um, they from day one have always supported me in an amazing way. 
Um, I've been talking to leadership there over the last week or so. And I think um, stepping out right now is a good thing to do. Um, and I just want to thank everybody there, leadership and the friends I made. And the, just, it was an amazing environment. Um, I'm not leaving because I necessarily wanted to leave Rainborn or there's any issues with Rainborn. That's not the case. I'm leaving because, well, we have a plan at Pantheon Plus and uh, I'm going to tease and leave you with that. So it, that plan wouldn't be able to come to fruition if I was part of Rainborn. So simply put, that's the reason. So stay tuned for more. Is that a good tease there? How's that? It's a great tease, except I, I'm not, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to, I want to spoil anything either. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, all good things come to an end, you know, it's not, sometimes you just got to move on and, and that's okay too. And it's, uh, you know, it's a uh, new something, one thing ends, something else begins. So I'll leave it at that. Exactly. Well, that's it for Pantheon.plus. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it gets here, I just yell, mail. We're getting sued. Well, there it is again, Theric. That bumper. How long are we going to keep that bumper? You think we're going to keep forever. it for the, for forever? Okay, we are forever. Oh, forever. I was singing it in my head like I was walking around <laughs> before we started recording tonight, thinking about the bumper. I was like, why is he a big fan of Blue's Clues? Like, <laughs> you know, I, I like Blue's Clues. My kids will like Blue's Clues, you know? Hmm. I just like as soon as I thought mailbox, it's the first thing that came to my head. Anybody who was tortured with Blue's Clues, you know, by their kids <laughs> or whoever, you know, that was the case. So. What was the guy's name? Steve. Steve. But yeah. There was another guy, right? Wasn't there yeah, like a replacement for Steve later? Other on? guy doesn't matter. Regular Steve <laughs> left to be like a rock star or something. I don't know. It's yeah. a crazy story. He wanted more money. They couldn't pay him on his uh, contract. Crazy story. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, so we have a mailbox here. We have uh, we have some good stuff to talk through. We got some time to do it, which is great. Um, so let's go ahead and jump right in. Uh, the first question yeah. here um, is interesting because it ties into our whole mm-hmm. concept tonight. So Brian Reck from the community says, how long is a reasonable amount of time it should take for players to be able to meet up playing groups that start in different areas of the world? Do you think fast travel mechanics would help this or do more harm than good? Should say a dark mirror player have to do anything to be able to group with an elf other than make the journey to meet up? Um, I can go first on that there. Sure. With that? Okay. Yeah. We'll just alternate, go back and forth. Yeah. That works for me. So, um, you know, I would say that uh, how long should it take for a player to group up? I would say if the average session that Pantheon's looking at is that two to three hour session, it shouldn't take more than a half hour to to meet up because that's going to be a significant portion of time in your play. I think a half hour to group up is fair. Um, the second part of the question, do, do you think that, you know, fast travel mechanics will help with this or do more harm? They're going to do more harm than good. Now, and I, and I don't mean it in a sense of like, like a wizard teleports, fine. Druid teleports, fine. You know, gating back to a location, that's fine. Um, and is the last part of it, should a dark mare have to do anything to be able to group with an elf? No, I think EverQuest did that right, right? Like where it's the NPCs of the world that hate you. Your players don't have to hate each other. You know, it's yeah. not a PvP server. Um, so I think if those two players want to group up, that's fine. But if you're traveling through an area that's really safe for all the elves and that dark mare has to find a way around to meet up, then that's what you're going to have to do. Yeah. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I'll, 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 uh, I'll agree with that. It's too much of a barrier. If you put that kind of a thing in a game like Pantheon where grouping is essential, you know, if you make elves and dark mirror, for example, not be able to group together, that's just too much. It's a, a bridge too far, so to speak. Um, you know, in terms of how long it should take you to group up, to find a group, it, it should take you as long as it takes you to find a wizard or a druid 
to port you to wherever you need to go, you know? Um, so he's sort of asking like, once you found a group, how long should it take for that group to come together? This is the issue with like a looking for group tool if it's global rather than zone specific. Like I'm not saying there shouldn't be a global looking for group tool, um, but if you're gonna do that, then how you manage one player moving to the other side of the world becomes really important and we don't wanna do fast travel. So like I say, you know, if you have a druid or a wizard friend in your guild or a, just a friend in general, um, you've got a golden opportunity to, you know, they have a golden opportunity as well in terms of like enterprising people to set up a little <laughs> yeah. business, you know, get people around because it's going to be important. And I think half an hour is about right. I like sort of, you know, see myself, how long would I wait? I, I think half an hour is about reasonable. So you can do a lot of little side things in a half hour, right? Like while you're trying to find a group, you can organize your bank. You can get yourself ready. You can look at certain things, catch up on guild details. Like there's a lot you can do in a half hour, but after half hour, you start to just get like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, usually I'll just run around and like solo and, you know, try and solo stuff until (laughs) I can, until I get that invite. But um, yeah, no, I know it's, it's a good question because it, like I said, it does tie into that looking for group issue that we talked about earlier. So. Good question, Brian. So the next one here is from Tech Ninja. He says, uh, what are your opinions on community-based UI mods? Should they be pure quality of life graphical like EQ or complete overhauls and additionalist uh, like through an API like WoW? What do you see Pantheon doing? I'll let you start on that. Yeah, so, you know, I'm not really a fan of UI mods all that much. Um, I think if a game is designed well with a UI that's well thought out and put together, you don't really need them. But then again, I'm also going to say I don't have that much experience using them in an MMO. I mean, I've done mods for like single player games all over the place, but in an, in an MMO, it's a little different because, you know, you're sort of working with your, you're one of many and you're all trying to sort of play the same game. And I don't really care if people use them for their experience. If it makes their experience better, I don't really care. But I would be surprised if Pantheon officially supported them. Um, you know, like we said before, they're a small team that's an indie studio, limited resources. And, you know, it can be sort of taxing if they have to sort of endorse these things or if they have to even just to allow them it, I think it puts an extra burden on their resources. So I don't think that they'll encourage or support them, but I could be wrong, of course. But in terms of like general for me, I, I don't know, I don't really see a need for it unless it's like some sort of horribly poorly designed thing, like an inventory system that just is unworkable. So but so generally not a fan, but not a lot of experience with them either. Yeah. So the, the last I heard on the UI and I can't remember where, so you guys just have to trust me was that the UI system that's going to be in game is going to be highly customizable, like highly, highly customizable. And I would guess that whatever you do in game would be able to be exported and shared, like just the basic in game functionality and setup. So that does give you a little bit of community UI modding, um, but from within a controlled environment. Now, as far as like API, um, you know, graphical style, like deadly boss mods and damage meters and shadow unit frames and heal bots and just there's tons I can name from WoW. Um, I love them. I mean, I used to make videos on them. I taught people how to use them. I thought they were phenomenal, Um, but I don't think we'll see Pantheon going that way. Um, they've pretty much said you're not going to have some sort of database API access into Pantheon like you do in other games. It means it's going to make like making a database site a lot harder because you're going to have to rely on player submissions like you did back in the day. Whereas with 
like Wowhead for a while. They just have an API that skims data and pulls all the data into their database so you can look up items and stuff. Um, so with them not really wanting to do API and database digs and stuff like that, I think you're going to be stuck with the tools that are in the game. And I'm fairly confident that Pantheon is not going to open up API like that. So that'd be mm, my goal. Yeah. Interesting. Well, you've got way more experience with them than I, so I'll, I'll trust what you say. <laughs> <laughs> Shepto says, should spells be graphically more detailed as you level up or gain mastery points in a spell? Yes. Yes, they should. Yes, it should be more glorious the stronger you are. I don't know how you do it. I don't know if you have like um, damage modifier, like when when your base stats increase the damage of a fireball by this much and you're hitting for X, it gets bigger, it gets crazier. Like, I don't want to see the fireball I cast at level one look like the fireball I cast at level 40 or something. Like, there has to be some graphical upgrade. That's my personal opinion. What do you think? Yeah, definitely, definitely. But not like... It has to be incremental. It's nothing like crazy. It can't go from shooting like a little fire dart into some sort of massive, what's this, like the wow, like the pyroblast, right? Isn't that yeah. like the big fireball and wow? Yeah. So like, you know, don't go from one to the other in, in like the course of two levels. So it's like, just add a few more sparkles, then maybe some bigger sparkles and then like bright, you know, like just little, little incremental changes like that. And the I only think- problem though is like when you end up raiding, if everybody's like high level rating, it's just going to be like Being seizures. Yeah. <laughs> seizures. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like, I think we're used to that at this point. I mean, that's pretty much what uh, a lot of the uh, current genre offers is uh, seizureville. But, um, you know, but you do want people to notice it though, right? You want somebody to look at your spell and go like, oh yeah, he's got the highest level of that. You True. know, that cool, like uh slow spell or you know whatever it is because it just looks cool it looks bigger and brighter and better so definitely definitely shut down <laughs> uh jj piedra says uh what aspects- I, like, I like how you spelled it out in the notes you're gonna call me out on this you didn't get her yeah <laughs> i totally am i saw it earlier i'm like i'm gonna totally call him out on this because uh, we've been getting better and better and now finally you you did it i'm so happy yeah, so JJ, I spelled your name phonetically so I'd pronounce it right and I didn't have to struggle over it. So I got called out for it. I thought, you know, it was going to sound all awesome there and smart, but thanks. No, I don't, I don't got your back. I <laughs> know you don't, dirty elf. Um, yeah, whatever. What aspect of Pantheon that has been announced or detailed do you wish was done differently and why? It's your turn to go first, thank yeah. God. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good question. I had to really think about this one for a long time. Um, I'm not going to say the merch store because that was the first version of the merch store with a bit of a cluster, you know what? Mm-hmm. Um, no, but seriously though, going back, when I go back and I watch some of the old streams, um, I think they've made some mistakes in terms of some of the people they brought in to do some of their streams. Um, now I'm not talking about Co. I think Co is a huge asset for them and an mm-hmm. ambassador for their game. Does a great, great job. I know other people may not agree with that, but there's been some other streamers that they've had that have done past streams that I don't think did much of a service for the game, to be honest. Um, and whether that's just from lack of experience or professionalism, or they just didn't understand sort of why they were being brought in in the first place. I think that came through on a couple of the streams. So. You know, I don't know if this is sort of if I'm answering the question that JJ is asking here in terms of like an aspect of Pantheon, but I think that that is a mistake that they've maybe made in the past with who they chose. And I think moving forward, they really need to, you know, find somebody who, like I said, with Co is, is just a good representative and, and knows sort of the purpose of what they're doing as a as a 
not advertising, but showing off the the, the game strengths. So that, yeah. that's my answer. I had to come up with that one. It took me a while. I agree. I think it's actually a really good point. That's uh, completely left field out of what I was thinking. Um, I think you're going to hate me for this, but I've said it before. I think taking such a hard stance on no instancing um, yeah. is rough. I really do. Um, I feel like for the sake of us as gamers and meaningful events that will occur that they're going to have to backtrack on that someday. I really do. And if they just didn't put such a hard stance or even said like 90, 10, even if they didn't do much instancing in the beginning, just to give themselves the ability to do a more epic battle or an epic story scene or something like that. I'm just very afraid of the zero instancing that they kind of are standing on. Now, it seems like they actually have walked back on zero instancing. If you listen carefully, some of the things they said, but overall, it looks like they're still still there. Um, mm-hmm. I just, that's probably the biggest stance. I think that they would have been you know, the 90, 10, 95, five is mm-hmm. fine. And it wouldn't hurt any of the tenants in that way. So uh, that's probably yeah. one of my biggest worries there. Interesting. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you never know what the future holds, right? They, they might have a third option that we haven't even considered, right? There might be, might not, might not just be a black and white decision. It might be, there might be something else we're just not considering. True. Next question is Gulu Gulu. He says, what of the game tenants is most important to you and why? Um, going first, mine's really easy. Mm-hmm. Mine's super easy. I don't even have to think about it. Like I don't, I didn't know the exact wording, so I had to look it up for just that, but um, it's easily the one that says a requirement that classes have identities. No single player should be able to do everything on their own. Nice. That's, nice. That's a good one. Super important to me. Yep. So yeah, I um I went through them and it's tough to choose because you know, obviously we we enjoy this the the vision of this game and believe in these tenets. So for me, it was a belief that the greatest sense of accomplishment comes when it's shared and earned. And the the reason why is just, you know. For me, I'm the type of person, I like to be part of something that's bigger than myself. So like that means being part of a team or maybe just even feeling connected to a team and knowing that I've contributed to something that's really, that a team has accomplished is really satisfying for me. Like there's so many challenges out there that are just insurmountable without a good team at your side. And this is the shared aspect, right? There's a great, a great quote from a movie, one of my favorite movies um, called Into the Wild. It's, it's a sort of a real life story, but the quote is, happiness is only real when shared, right? Yeah. And that's kind of weird for me to say, because I'm, I'm also the type of person who's sort of perfectly content to be alone <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but in 40 plus years of life, I learned that if you don't have somebody to share your contentment with, at least for me, it does kind of get lessened. You know, like it's, if, you, if you're just content all the time, but you don't have anybody to sort of share that with, it's, just, it's not so much for me. And so like, you know, that's, that's why I think that tenet is really important. And, uh, you know, that's deep thoughts with Derek for this week. So tune in next week for more. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Two more questions here. Uh, Lucille says, what are your thoughts on combat res? I'm of the school that thinks resing should only be allowed outside of combat. Um, uh, you're first on this yeah. one. Yeah. So it's kind of a depends question. I would say it depends on how the content is tuned. Um, but if I'm going to take a stand, I'm going to say no, um, because I think if you allow combat resing, you can set up situations where you can basically just win by attrition, um, over time in a battle. So like, you know, as long as you have somebody back in the back lines, who's not in, you know, getting damaged and can continually res people, you can basically just wear down, you know, the boss or the mob or whatever it is you're fighting, um, 
through just just over time by keeping people rest. But again, it depends on sort of how the content is tuned. Um, that would be my answer. I like combat res a lot. In WoW, you would go into a raid fight no matter how many combat reses you had in your party because not everybody could combat res. There were only a few race uh, classes that could. But no matter how many you had, you had a limit. So like you'd have like three combat reses for the entire fight, right? Um, and, you know, it was something that was strategic. Like you couldn't just combat res, you know, any willy-nilly time you wanted because as soon as that person got up, they could be one shot and killed and that was a waste. Or if you were a healer and you needed to focus on it, you know, you couldn't just be sitting there popping a, you know, res when you needed to be healing. So I think, um, yeah, it can't be like an infinite thing, but I think it's probably, I would imagine that any class with a battle res is going to have a long cooldown on it. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm a big fan of it. I think it's another strategic element to difficult fights. Um, I think sometimes, like, no joke, like if someone's out of mana and it's a struggle and you need to push them, you could get them killed and bring them back with a res that maybe brings them back at half mana, becomes a strategic <laughs> element. Um, strategic death. Now that person, it's going to probably be a little upset to lose the experience, but if it's going to help us win the fight, maybe you have to. That's um, interesting. Yeah, but there's, I, I like combat reses. I think that you don't want to have infinite combat res. Your, your regular res should only be able to be outside of combat, but a high cooldown um, combat res, I think is important. Yeah, interesting. Cool. So the last one here, you know, Baron, I'm reading it because it's a great question, um, but I can't promise you on my answer here. Um, it says, can you suggest three resource designs? I like that he says three. Can I just do one, Baron? Baron, <laughs> come on. And he says that do not mirror the concept of common versus rare. So he's talking about resources when you're gathering or, you know, items, you know, like in games that are gray to green to blue to purple or orange or whatever it is, but still allow the concept of upgrades and sort of framed within a uh, durable, compatible economy. So like that, that'll work that you could sell any of those types of items to keep some value. Uh, it's all you, man. It's all you here. <laughs> so, so I think, I think that rarity has to exist. I don't think I can design something without mirroring the concept of common versus rare. I do think that with lower stat levels, like Pantheon's going to suggest that, the difference between in other games what would be common versus rare versus epic versus legendary, whatever route game would go, um, will be a lot different than maybe in those other games than it would be in Pantheon. Because again, the stat levels and numbers aren't going to be these astronomical numbers. Now, that being said, um, I think the key to making that system work better is that they're not color coded. Um, I think every item should be gray or white or whatever they want to do with it. And people have to actually look at the item itself to determine its value instead of just skipping over everything that's green because they want blue or skipping over everything blue because now they want purple. I think that that really helps. And I think that that's how the um, crafting should work too. Like when you craft or like harvesting, you know, yeah, you'll know that something's rare because you haven't seen it as much, but you don't know how rare just because it's a different color. So I think getting rid of the color system is actually a huge step forward in balancing what is a common versus a rare ingredient. But I think that you still have to have items and, and, you know, reagents that are rare versus common. I, I don't think you can get away with the whole system, but I think you can do it a lot of service getting rid of the colors. I'm so glad you took that question. Cause <laughs> this is question feels a little, uh, makes me feel real dumb. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I really don't have an answer to this. Cause I, I really don't. Um, I'm just going to say whatever you said, I'm going to go with that. Cause this one's like above my, my pay grade here when it comes to like 
crafting and like economy and like thinking about sort of resource design, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave it with what you said. <laughs> All right. Before we close out the show, there is one more. Let's throw this out there real quick. Fast answers. Mirth says, would you like to see player driven events that make the world feel alive? Example, elves do enough of quest A in region B to spawn pixies that are aggressive towards Darkmere. I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I, do. I would like to see dynamic events that, you know, create some rivalries between the factions or change how we interact with portions of the world. And we've talked about that before, I think. I'm going to I'm going to say the opposite. I'm going to say no, I don't want that because I don't I like a dangerous world. But if I'm out like in the middle of a forest, I don't want everything around me to suddenly start attacking me because somebody completed a quest on the other side of the world. You know, it's a sort of like a it's sort of a weird thing. Like it could be a sort of a quasi PVP tactic for on a PVE server, right? To sort of trigger that. But, um, you know, I don't want Darkmere taking the revenge on me, making the uh, formerly friendly fishes in Fairthale start jumping out of the water and start going to some bloodthirsty frenzy attacking me and my elven kin. So no, I'm uh, going to pass on that one. <laughs> I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. Well, guys, that's it for another episode of the rewind. Thank you to everybody who participated in our mailbox segment. It was a lot of great questions this week. And again, you can submit your questions on Twitter by tagging myself and uh, Theric with hashtag rewind. To let us know your question or just jump right into our discord with the links in the YouTube comments below. Uh, jump into there and you can uh, put it right in the hashtag rewind questions channel, which is where we've gathered a lot of these questions from. Um, another amazing show. Thank you, Theric, for everything you do. And uh, awesome. that's it. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Be sure to follow Minus and all Pantheon Plus related content on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube under the name Pantheon Plus. Also, be sure to follow Theric at Pantheon Theric on Twitter. Keep up to date on all Pantheon Rise of the Fallen information on www.pantheon.plus, the definitive source for all media of Pantheon. Until next time.